Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We need to realize that we might find ourselves away from what we ought to be doing, and that's where Moses was on the backside of the desert, almost like Jonah, thinking that he could get away from the presence of God. But he didn't succeed. People in general, I'm afraid, are living out of the presence of God. It's let's make a living. It's let's enjoy ourselves. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. Let's have a good time. Let's have a fine home and an automobile and all the fineries of good clothing and so on and all these things are not to be objected to. I certainly believe that a person ought to provide, and I think the scripture teaches that a person ought to provide well for his family and have the fine things of life. There is nothing in the scripture that would discredit that at all. The only discredit comes when a person puts more emphasis upon what he has physically, as I tried to say this morning, than he does upon the presence of God. And when he does, he will find himself someday on the backside of the mountain, not thinking that God is anywhere around, and he's going to come around a bend in the road, and there's going to be an episode to face him straight in the face, that's going to make him come face to face with God like he's never come face to face before. And many of us, and maybe all of us, I don't know, have gone around the bends of life to discover God standing there. He's put something up to call our attention. In Moses' life, it was a burning bush. It got his attention. We might say that that was a chance meeting, but I don't think it was a chance meeting at all. I think maybe it was this morning that someone said, I'm not sure now where I remember this statement, that someone said that God has a plan for every person's life, and I believe that. I don't care where you are or what you're doing, God has a reason for you to be. There is a plan established in heaven for your life and for mine. Now how well we fit into that plan is something else. But you can be sure that God has a plan. It's written and prepared for you to perform certain things and for me to perform certain things. And it didn't just happen that we came around the turn and met God face to face. He was preparing things for us all along. God knew that Moses was going to come around that turn in the road. And so he already had the bush planted that grew up from a seed many years before. I don't know how long it took that bush to grow, but I would guess that 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 bush was planted 30, 40 years prior to this date, all for the purpose of bringing Moses face to face with a bush that was burning and was not consumed. You see, God has established for your life and mine certain events that began long before we were ever conceived. 
Because God knew that we would be in his mighty wisdom and that we would grow up and he has a plan already prepared. And so things are being put in, in place in order that we could come to that point of meeting him so that we could see what our life is supposed to be. Moses comes around the turn and there's a bush that's burning. Well, let me tell you, if I came around a turn and saw a bush that was burning, uh, I wouldn't pay too much attention to it. But if I discovered that the thing didn't burn up, I'll guarantee you I'd go investigate, wouldn't you? Curiosity would get me. I'd have to go find out why it didn't burn. And Moses looks over there, and there is something happening that he can't explain. Now let's translate that into where we live. There are something happening, some things happening in our lives that we can't explain that draws us to God. Some of you haven't described those things. You explain to me, and I will not be uh, revealing anything that Peggy has not already done or Delbert has as to why she drove over to this church and stopped in front and took the information off the sign in order to find out when we were having service. I happen so? I don't believe so. I believe there were forces at work that were drawing people, not only the wits, but others to this congregation because there's something happening here. Fred, why did you show up here? You think that was just chance? You drove by, but well, that's a pretty building. I think I'll stop in. I don't believe so. I believe there were forces already in work that we're bringing, and I'm just using you two as examples, I could use many more from this congregation, uh, that have brought you to here because this is holy ground and God wants you to stand on it. And there are lots more people out there that need to be standing on this holy ground. And it's our job to be the influence that brings them here. God is at work, I believe, preparing the church and the person to bring them together. We might consider that the church is the burning bush. And it becomes tragic that sometimes bushes don't burn like they're supposed to. That is, the church doesn't flame up like it's supposed to. God wants it to be a drawing card. <laughs> And over in the book of Revelation, we find three churches particularly that I want to make reference to that God was not pleased with because they were not the drawing power that they should have been. One of them he accused of leaving their first love. That was Ephesus. They at one time loved the Lord and served him well, but they lost that love. And you can go up and down our countryside and find church after church after church that has long since lost their first love. They're not loving the Lord, they're serving the Lord. They've become a social club. Listen, we had better not ever become that or we will go under. We'll no longer be the power of God in this community. The reason that we're the power of God is because we know we're standing on holy ground and we love the God who put us here. Not love the building. I appreciate this building greatly and what we're doing here on the side is going to be of a tremendous benefit to this congregation but more importantly to the glory of God and if it is not for the glory of God it will utterly fail. 
We've got to put God first and love him above everything else or else we will receive criticism of the Lord. Another one was the Sardis, and he accused them of being asleep, and it is time for them to wake up. I think we have become awake. I hope we stay awake. And be a bush that burns, and everybody will want to stop and see why the bush is not consumed, that it's on fire. Another one that he criticized there in the book of Revelation was the church of Laodicea. He, he accused them of being lukewarm. Do you know there's one thing that the Lord does not like? And that is he doesn't like anything that's lukewarm. He either wants it hot or cold. Do you realize that he would rather have a cold Christian than a lukewarm Christian? He has more respect for the sinner than he does the Christian that's not on fire for the Lord. So if we're redeemed, we're saved, then we need to say so. That, I hope, is what we're doing. So the church stands as a burning bush. But there's something more important that stands, and that is the cross. You remember as Jesus carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem out to the hill called Calvary. He stumbled and fell under the weight of that cross. He had been beaten. He was bleeding and bruised. His strength had absolutely been sapped to the place that he could not any longer carry the cross. And there was a black man. His name was Simon. He was from Cyrene, who came out of that crowd, and he picked up the cross put it on his shoulder. He lifted it up and carried it for the Lord. The purpose that we have as a church, our object, our goal, our task is to pick up the cross and carry it that others might know what was done on that cross. He does not say that the church will draw men unto him. He says, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to me. Our job is to lift up Christ. Our job is to make sure that the world knows that above all else there is a Christ to be served that we love, and we're going to lift him up, and he is going to do the drawing. It is not our job to see that people are saved. It's our job to lift up Christ. The Holy Spirit will convict people of their sins and save their soul, not us. We will be the instrument of lifting up the cross, of lifting up Christ. That's our job. And the Spirit will do the convicting. So Moses says, well, I'm going to turn aside and see what's going on here. That's exactly what we need to do. I hope that's what we do from Sunday to Sunday. When we come to church is we're going to turn aside from the daily affairs of life, turn aside from our job for a while, turn aside from our having fun, turn aside from concerns about our families, turn aside from our sicknesses, turn aside from our job problems, turn aside from our uh, encompassing worries that we seem to have all the time. Put them aside. Turn aside and go and stand on holy ground and listen to what God has to say. 
I know that's difficult to do. And I know that as you sit there in the congregation, and I've done that a few times over a few years, it's very easy to think about uh, what I'm going to do tomorrow, uh, what I'm going to have for dinner today, uh, whether or not the laundry is done. That's something I've got to worry about tonight when I get home. All the affairs of life seem to crowd in on us and crowd in. Sicknesses just push us into a, nearly a ball of concern. Uh, we worry about our families. Yes, I worry about my family. You bet I do. But on Sunday morning and Sunday night, I try my hardest to put them out of my mind for a little while and concentrate on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what happens? I'm much able, much better able after it's over to carry the burdens of the sickness of the family because I have received strength from being on holy ground. Don't you receive strength from being in the presence of God and in the presence of God's children? And you can go out of the service strengthened, ready to take on the tasks that await you tomorrow. Let's put them aside tonight. Let's don't worry about any of those things. Let's tonight remember that we're standing on holy ground. I don't want anybody to think about your job tomorrow. Or all the other things that you're going to do. Let's concentrate on the cross, on Jesus Christ. It's the burning bush that is not consumed. Paul said to the Philippians in 3.13, let me go over there and read it to you. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, notice the one thing he does, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. There's nothing we can do about yesterday. But I tell you, we can do a lot about tomorrow. Forget those things which are behind if they were sins that are behind us, we can now, tonight, ask God to forgive us and we can go out of here with a clean slate. Do you have sins on your conscience and your heart? You want to bring them up now and deal with them with the Lord so that you can put them behind you and concentrate on the future and not worry about the past. <coughs> Danny and I tried to find the words to a hymn, I think maybe we've sung it here some, I don't know, which is, let's just praise the Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hearts toward heaven and praise the Lord. That's what we ought to do. Moses goes over there toward that burning bush. He's almost like Peter, who always uh, went in too quickly. Peter rushed into the empty grave. He didn't have the reverence to stop outside and contemplate what might have taken place. Moses rushes up to the burning bush, and out of the bush comes the word of God saying, Moses, Moses. He used his name twice to get his attention. Take off your shoes. Or you're standing on holy ground. 
Now listen, I believe there is holy ground. I believe this property is holy ground that we have a church built on. I believe this is a holy sanctuary, meaning that we have dedicated it to the service and worship of God. And there ought to be an attitude of reverence that we have that when we come to a, a place where we're going to meet God face to face, that we take off our shoes. I'm not suggesting that we physically take off the shoes on our feet. What I'm saying is uh, that, and well, let me say this first. In the Old Testament, the taking off of his shoes was an act of reverence. What I'm saying is that we ought to come into the presence of God in a very reverent attitude. But our hearts and minds ought to be clear of all these external things, and we can come into the presence of God and praise his name, love him and worship him. Unload, unload our burdens. Be free of them. Because we've laid them on Jesus. Come in with empty hands. You know why we need empty hands? For two reasons I want to suggest. Number one, we need empty hands to grab a hold of that cross. Because we're going to have to pick it up and put it on our shoulder. And we're going to carry it like Simon did for Jesus. Do you carry the cross? Secondly, we need to have empty hands that we can praise. We don't do a lot of this in our church. There are some churches that do lots of it. I think it's abused. But with the right attitude of mind and heart, Lamentations 2.19 says, Lift up thy hands unto him. Why? First of all, to lift them up, they're empty. You've laid aside everything that you've held on to. Laid aside your burdens. Laid aside your problems. Laid aside your distresses. And you've got empty hands. Do nothing but praise. The lifting up of the hand is a reaching forth to God. The reaching forth to God, we will discover that God is reaching down. And God takes our hand in His. I'm not suggesting that we have to physically lift our physical hands, but I'm saying this is an attitude of heart. And sometimes it helps if we lift our hands in order to be an expression of what's coming from our heart. But regardless of whether our physical hands go up, there ought to be the, the attitude of our heart where we're so reverent that we reach out, we reach out to God because we want Him to reach out to us. So Lamentations 2.19 says, Lift up thy hands toward him. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. That's Psalm 28.2. Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. I want to ask you tonight, in your heart, your spirit, your mind, unload. Take off those things that would keep you from being holy. And as you leave this service tonight, believe that you have been in the presence of God who has spoken to you from a bush that will not be consumed. You're on holy ground. 
Do you feel yourself in the presence of God right now? If you don't feel yourself in the presence of God, it's because you have too much burden in your hands. You've not been willing to lay it aside. You lay it aside, you can feel the presence of the Lord Jesus. Let's just praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands toward heaven. Physically, if you want, but certainly in your heart. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.